There are things in life that we will all need forgiveness for. I got a video from a friend this week, and uh, it was a dad, and he was a for his son and his son's cousin. Now, I don't know if what took place after that caused him to just get rid of him as his nephew, but he said, I want to apologize today for what my son and his cousin did. You see, what happened is um, this dad... His dad passed away, and, and when someone passes away, you have something called a funeral. And so at this funeral service, kind of goes down, they honor his life, celebrate it, and after the funeral service, <laughs> his dad's son, his cousin, you know it would be a great idea? If we took our dead grandpa's phone, and we texted everybody, and we thanked them for coming to my service today. <laughs> And so, and then this video that my buddy sent me, it's showing shots, right? Like, from the grandpa's cell phone after the funeral service, hey, thanks for coming to my service today. It really means a lot. Holy smokes. There are things in life that we will need forgiveness for. That dad was asking for forgiveness for his son and his son's cousin, and, uh, yeah, they certainly needed it. I'm, I'm thinking they maybe needed to write some uh, letters asking people for forgiveness for themselves. I was at Sam's Club the other day, which is the, uh, it's the one, I was at their gas station because it's like 20 cents cheaper than any other gas station outside of Costco. It's a little less established than Costco. The lines are a lot longer. The people are a lot rowdier. Uh, I was in line and I, you know, I, 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 I'm one of those people like you gas on your side of the vehicle, or you can drive to the, through the shorter line. You can reach it all the way around your vehicle, and you can put it in like that. It works both ways. It's not against the law. I just feel like a smarter person for doing it. That was the way to the second gas pump, and there's a reason why. There, were, there was an audible gasp when I said that. Oh, he didn't pull all the way forward? <laughs> Heavens forbid, okay? I did not pull all the way forward, and woman loses it. Honk, honk, honk. Hey, pull forward. Hey, I got a religion. <laughs> we could have put this on anything else, but you just put that on God. <laughs> that is not good. Clearly, this woman needed some forgiveness. It didn't necessarily did. Times in our lives where we need to receive forgiveness. There are times in our lives where we're going to need to ask for forgiveness. There are times in our lives where we are going to need forgiveness, and I want us to realize today that forgiveness is the only way that we can experience true life. Forgiveness is the only thing that truly And so today we're going to be in Ephesians. We're going to be kind of first half of this spiritual blessing that is all in and only through Jesus, and it says, in him. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So we have redemption through what? Through his blood. And this idea of redemption, it is an idea of liberation from bondage, from true freedom from imprisonment. And the readers of this, especially the former Jewish leaders or the, the people that follow Yahweh, they would have realized, oh, this takes me back. This takes me back to what my people have gone through. They would have remembered Exodus 15. They would have remembered the Exodus from Egypt. They would have remembered escaping through the Red Sea. They would have remembered their liberation from bondage. Is that because of sin, we are enslaved. 
Because of sin, we are addicted. Because of, thing, because of sin, we have things that we need to be released from. We have chains that are keeping us captive. Because of it, there is only one way out. There is only one way through the Red Sea of forgiveness, and that is for those seas to be parted by God through and only through the blood of Jesus. And just as the Israelites, as they are pursued, as they're escaping the Egyptians, as they are pursuing them on chariot, they're trying to get them back in Egypt. They've gone back. You can't leave. You need to remain our slaves. Moses has parted the Red Seas by the power of God with his staff, and they go side to side, and the Egyptians make it through. And the Egyptians pursue them. And as they get to the other side, they close back in on them. Only through the blood of Jesus that we are actually delivered because of his sacrificial death on the cross. We have been set free. This is not something that we look forward to. This is something that we look back on. Now, certainly, we look back on it during the time of Easter, but today we look at it in the life of Jesus. Because without the birth, without baby Jesus, we don't have the life of Jesus, the perfect sacrificial lamb. We don't have the ministry of Jesus, and we don't have the death of Jesus on the cross that sets us free, and it says it is through his blood. Only by his blood are we delivered for the forgiveness of our trespasses. So now this means that redemption is linked to our forgiveness. And according to what? It says, according to the riches of his grace. This is what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, according to how good you are. It doesn't say, according to how much you have earned it. It doesn't say, according to whether you grew up in a Christian home. It doesn't say, according to the faith of your spouse. Because this isn't something that we can earn. This is something that no one else but Jesus can earn for us because this is a free gift. And this is a free gift according to the riches of his grace. This is not something that we work for. It is something that we receive. Forgiveness is something that is given to us and it is according to his riches, which means he is not going to run out. I remember when Jesus says to Peter, Peter, let me wash your feet. And Peter says, absolutely not. And Jesus says, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part of me. Nothing to do with me. And so Peter goes, kind of flip-flops on the whole thing. Well, then clean my whole body, Jesus. I want a full-blown shower. If it's not just my feet, I want to go all the way in. And Jesus says, no, dude. Put the phone down. Stop texting people after the funeral, Peter. Listen up, man. You've already been cleaned. But you come back to me when your feet get dirty. In Jesus as believers, we put our faith in him. We have been cleansed, our sin justified for by the work of Jesus on the cross. But there will continue to be sin in our life until we die. We will never be perfect until we reach the other side of this life and eternity with Jesus. God's grace is not going to run out on you. God loves you. He loves you so much he sent his son to die for you. You can't be good 90% of life and then, ah. Uh, that last 10% of life, I've just I've run out of God's grace. I've, I've tested his luck. I've tested his patience, his mercy, his forgiveness too many times. That's not the way it works. You continue to be forgiven according to the riches of his grace. This morning, we see all of this take place 
in a little chapter of Mark, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, we spend some time with Jesus, the man himself, this morning. And it is in this story we see that Jesus heals a paralytic, and I'm excited to spend some time with Jesus. It says, and when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together, so that there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. Everybody's back. They're hanging out with Jesus. He's here. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. Sorry about your roof, Jesus. We just really need to get this guy to you. And when, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed, and went out before them all, so that they that were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. First point today, if you're taking notes, forgiveness is a gift that we receive. Forgiveness is a gift that we receive. We love receiving gifts this time of year. This is no different. I think forgiveness is one of the most crucial, critical gifts that we could receive. But there's something about gifts that if it's a surprise, it makes it even more special. And I think we see three surprises within this story. We see that there are, uh, there's a surprise to the seekers in the story, these four men carrying the paralytic. There's a surprise to the paralytic himself. There's a surprise for us as the readers. And there's also a surprise to the religious leaders in the stories, these scribes. And so for the seekers, we see that the surprise comes and when Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Now, why is there a surprise when Jesus says, your sins are forgiven? Well, because the paralytic and his four hopefully closest friends, maybe they're just four guys helping somebody move down the street, carrying him, oh, we can't get in here, let's lower him through the roof. These guys, they've got some, uh, they got some creativity. We need to get this guy in front of Jesus. The only way we can do it is to go full-blown Mission Impossible style. Let's get on Jesus' roof, let's start pulling off some shingles, let's lower him down, dun, 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 dun until the paralytic gets down to Jesus. Why are they so surprised? Because they didn't lower the paralytic down to Jesus so that Jesus could forgive his sin. They lowered the paralytic down to Jesus so that Jesus could heal him, so that Jesus could say, now, get up, go. Not that your sins have been forgiven. This man had one desire, and that is not the desire of which Jesus was going after. Now you see this paralytic, he thought that the ability to walk would make him happy. He thought if he could walk, it would fix everything in his life. But the only thing that would bring him true joy, the only thing that would bring him true life, true happiness, was right standing 
with God. And it's in this we see that Jesus, Jesus knew this man's primary need. Jesus knows our primary need. Now, yes, Jesus does both. He says first that you have been forgiven of your sin, and then he heals him. And yes, God restores our bodies. But that is not the real fix. There is healing. There are miracles that take place here on this side of life. There are miracles, the miracle of glorification that you will be made new on the other side of life. That does not take place without forgiveness. We see Jesus knows this man's primary primary need, his primary concern. And so then there's the surprise of the readers and the surprise of the leaders in this story when we ask the question, how can Jesus do this? For the readers, for you and I as believers reading this story, we say, did this man even ask for forgiveness? Isn't that part of this whole thing you have to articulate? You have to perfectly state, Jesus, I need forgiveness of X, Y, Z. We see that no, he did not ask specifically. He did not ask audibly. He was not able to articulate his need for forgiveness. But Jesus, being there with him, but Jesus, being tender, experiencing this man's faith, it takes faith to get four of your closest, hopefully closest friends to lower you down through a roof just so that you can get close enough to Jesus to be healed. Jesus in his tenderness, seeing this man's faith, seeing his inability to articulate his desire to ask for what he truly needs, knows this man's heart. And in this moment, he grants his deepest desire. And in this, we see his tenderness. And it's not just here. We see it other places all throughout the New Testament as well. So no, he does not specifically ask Jesus for forgiveness for the readers. We might read this and say, well, Jesus Jesus hasn't died on the cross yet. How is this possible? Timothy Ward covers this in his book, Words for Life, when he says, when it comes to God, his words are his deeds. God does not say, let there be light, and then let's go make light. He says, let there be light, and there is light. When God says it, it happens. So when Jesus, as fully God and fully man, says that you are forgiven, this man is forgiven. Now, this doesn't change the fact that sin has consequences. This doesn't change the fact that sin requires punishment. And this leads us to the surprise of the leaders. Because for these scribes that were present, these scribes that were questioning in their heart what is really going on here, they have a question as well. And that is, who does this guy think he is? How does this man think he can forgive? He is not God. They literally say in their hearts, this is blasphemy. What is he doing? He's not God. Wrong. He was God. He was God in the flesh. He was Emmanuel. He was God with us. And Jesus can forgive them because he undoubtedly knows the road that lies ahead of him. When Jesus asked the question in verse 9, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take your bed and walk. We can know, as the readers outside of the story, knowing the end, we can know one thing for sure. Is that Jesus, when he says this, Jesus knew the weight of what he said. Jesus knew the price that he would have to pay. 
And yes, Jesus both forgave the man and healed the man, but Jesus knew that the forgiveness factor of this whole episode with this paralytic was going to cost him everything up into his very life. And you know what? Jesus still forgave him of his sin. And Jesus, knowing your sin, before you ever committed it, tallying every sin that you would ever sin in your life up, he still chose to take the cross for you. He knew what it would cost him. And he said, glory of the Father, obedience to the Father, that is worth it. He said, life in heaven with you, that is worth it, making you clean putting you back together from being broken, making you sin-free, spotless. Jesus said that is worth it down to his very life. Again, Ephesians 1.7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Let's go back to the surprise of the seeker. Let's go back to the surprise of the paralytic. Think to the surprise of this paralytic man. He says, Jesus, I don't want you to forgive me. He's not asking for forgiveness, not audibly at least, even though his heart knows that that is ultimately what it needs. Jesus, I don't want you to forgive me. Jesus, I just want to walk. We do the exact same thing that this man does. A lot of times we don't go to Jesus and we say, Jesus, the problem, the problem isn't my sin. Jesus, the problems in my life are not what I've brought on myself. The problems in my life are what other people have done to me. Jesus, I would be fine if it wasn't for this one thing that happened to me. Jesus, I would be fine if they didn't do that thing to me, if they didn't say that thing to me. Jesus, I would be fine if it wasn't for this, if it wasn't for that. And every time we do that, it gives power to that person. It gives power to that situation over us. But when we let it go, when we realize, no, it's not about them. It's about me. It's about the condition of my heart. When we let it go in forgiveness, we render it. We render them. We render that season powerless. Forgiveness is not just something that we receive. We are not solely consumeristic in our forgiveness. Yes, we need it, but we also have to give it. Second point today, forgiveness is a gift. Forgiveness is a gift. So now we ask the question, well, how do I forgive? We have to realize that forgiveness requires humility. We will never forgive someone else if we think that we are better than them. If we think that we are not capable of doing what they did, you've got to remember that God sees all sin as equal. You could steal a paperclip off of somebody's desk. You could go murder somebody. And somehow, in God's eyes, being perfectly just, he sees all sin exactly the same. So if we think that we're better than the people who have offended us, then we will never forgive them. Forgiveness requires humility. Humility leads to reality. And reality is that the gospel says, for all have sinned, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. So you may not have done that one thing, but I promise you, you've done something else. And it may not have been against that one person, but it was against someone else. It was against yourself. It was against God. 
So we see, because for all have sinned and all fall, fall short of the glory of God, we are in the same boat as our offenders. So humility requires, forgiveness requires humility. Humility requires reality, and reality leads to recognition. We realize that we have sin that needs to be dealt with. That means we have identified our sin, we know it well, and then recognition leads to repentance. We say, Jesus, here's my sin. I realize that I am just as sinful as everyone else around me. Everyone else, I keep saying they, 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 them, 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 they hurt me. Jesus, I realize that I have hurt me too. Jesus, I realize I need to forgive these people for hurting me. And recognition leads to repentance. Jesus, here's where I've messed up. Jesus, here's my plan not to go back to the sin that I've experienced in my life, not to go back to the sin and the temptation and the struggle that I've gone through in my life. This is my plan moving forward. I am going to turn 180 around, and I'm going to go this way. Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, help me to execute this. Repentance is asking for forgiveness, making a plan not to fall back into sin, and then executing on that plan with the power of the Holy Spirit. We are asking to God We are asking God to help us walk over and over and over in our lives. Jesus, I just need this thing. If you just give me this thing, then everything's going to be all right. But ultimately, what we need in our lives is true forgiveness for ourselves and for other people. Matthew 6, 14 through 15 says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, If you do not forgive others of trespassers, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That means now that forgiveness works both ways. If you give it, you'll receive it. If you want to be forgiven, you better start forgiving other people. If you don't want to receive forgiveness, just hold that grudge against them in your heart. Forgiveness goes both ways. And I'll say this this morning. That when you forgive somebody, when you let them go, not only does it free you, but then that person, maybe for the first time ever, experiences true forgiveness. That person experiences true grace. And that person may not have ever experienced that in their life. If you say that you are a believer and you are holding a grudge against someone else, you may be keeping them from experiencing the only grace of God that they, are, they have a chance to experience in their entire life. Forgiving somebody is letting them go. When you let them go, you set yourself free through the power and the work of what Jesus has done on the cross, but you never know when you are setting that person free to experience God for the first time. And you never know when that circumstance could lead them into an eternity with Jesus. This morning, I'd like to take us this biblical concept, these biblical stories, I'd like to put it to real life. We have a member in our church that I heard an incredible story of forgiveness. I got to sit down, kind of interview her, and listen to her story, and I want to share that with you today. A powerful story of forgiveness that takes this biblical concept and puts it into perfect application. Let's watch that. Matthew 